podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hooray! Hey, hey, hey. It's nearly over. Hooray! Hooray. One more dreadful One game more. to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the penultimate pod Hooray. of Hooray. the season. <laughs> of the longest season in living memory. It's pod 345. For and any of you that like numbers. And that's just numbers. this season, isn't it? Yeah. That's just, just Ender's. It's been a ridiculously long season, uh, and this will be probably the most amount of podcasts that we have done in a season as well. Um, and I cannot wait to take August off uh, before we return in September. Uh, it's pod three, four, five, and this week we've got James Endicott. Hello, hello to you. Hello to you. How are you? Uh, wonderful for your presence. Excellent. You're looking good with your new haircut. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Thirty good. pounds this cost. Thirty quid. What? Thirty I'd, pounds. I'd have done it for a tenner, mate. You no, you have to. You want to look this good, quid. Enders. You have to spend money to look decent, unfortunately. So uh, that's just living in Buckinghamshire. Um, also, <laughs> we've got Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello. Eight pound fifty. Mine cost. Yes, good lad. That's living in Norbury. <laughs> Although I let him keep the change, so that's big time. It's, that's not thirty, 30 quid worth of haircut. Eh? Did you get a manicure and something else out of that as well? <laughs> I got. I got a wonderful conversation. So they're not supposed to talk. I know, actually. I probably shouldn't have admitted to that, should I? On, no, you shouldn't. No, on yeah. there. We had masks. He had a visor. I had a mask. There was a perspex screen. And we just... We know each other well, so we couldn't... I've known him for five years, so we just couldn't... You know, you can't not... So that was mate's race. 30 quid was mate's race. <laughs> wow. Mate. Actually, it is actually cheaper than what it was. He's moved salons. Anyway, enough about... Salons. Um, salons. My... Salon. <laughs> That's what it's called. It's officially a salon. I would call it a barber, but I didn't want to, like, you know, I don't want, I don't want to offend Luke unless he's listening. Hello See to you, you Luke. Bye. Um, I'm off. I'm out of here. Right. Enough call. about my beauty uh, routines. Although, if anyone wants to know more about that, DM me on Twitter. Oh, we've also got <laughs> Jesse Boyce. Hello to you. How you doing, JD? Good. What's, uh, what's your beauty routine like? Well, I would expect a happy ending for 30 quid, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's good, but he's not that good. <laughs> um, um, I, I, right. actually, I, I, I uh, managed to get a free haircut in lockdown um, from a friend, but it was—it's that sort of feels a long time ago now. I do need to go, but maybe I'll give Luke a miss. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, su- you, you suit long hair though, Jesse. It's, you're right. You look rakish. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. I'll take that. Some, some say I look, some say I look Australian. Well, oh my means. god. Wow, <laughs> that's right. I think I think you look more like a German football manager um, than Australian. Oh, 
<laughs> Let's yeah. talk. We've never heard that before, have you, Jess? No, that was too obvious, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Palace. Oh, yeah. No, before we do that. Patron shout out. Oh, you can tell like, you can tell us from the pod, can't you? And I've just lost the will to pod. Um, can I can I have please a drum roll for a random patron? That's beautiful. It's Mr. Mark Gaffin. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Nice one, Mark. Mark Gaffin, and you can join our patron uh, and get all sorts of perks, including <laughs> a fresh run of merchandise that we're working on right now, which is going to look superb um, at patreoncom fyp podcast um let's talk about palace's most recent game which <laughs> kevin yeah um we could have taken any of the previous three games switched out the opposition's name and uh probably have the exact same discussion and the exact same scoreline because palace lost two nil mm. again this time at wolves but were there any positives for you from this game because it wasn't quite and I mean, this is a huge caveat to previous weeks. wasn't quite as bad as some of the previous games. Were there positives for you? It, it, it wasn't Leicester and it wasn't Villa, but yeah, it was just flat. It was tepid, wasn't it? I, I, um, League of Their Own was recording last night in a virtually empty studio and I was working on it from home. And so I occasionally went in. I was so bored with the Palace game. I just went and listened to the cameraman talking on Zoom <laughs> in the studio 30 miles. It, it, it was fine. I mean, under normal circumstances, you'd go, yeah, it's an end-of-season game. They didn't look like they were fussed. Wolves are a better team than us in virtually every position. I, d- I don't mind when you play Liverpool and you say, well, none of our team would get into their team. But when you play Wolves and you say none of our team would get into their team. But you, you only have to look at the figures. I asked Kieran at Price of Football this morning. And in the last two years, Wolves have spent £206 million on players. And we've wow. spent 26 You know, We've basically bought in Kiyati and McCarthy and IU. And they've bought in players like Jimenez and Jota. They know exactly what sort of player they want to bring in. They t- tend to be between sort of 23 and 26 with a sell-on value. They know how they want to play football, and they did exactly that last night. They did they did what it took to beat Palace quite comfortably. The first half was dull. Their manager probably tore into them. Second half, they were just a better team, in it, and it showed. And it's it was, it was interesting to see the the BT camera looking through the, the open window of the, mm. the dressing room because Hodgson clearly looked furious and was clearly angry in the post-match interview but you, you just have to look at those figures 206 million you know they've got very wealthy overseas investors we've got very wealthy overseas investors and there's a 160 million odd disparity in players basically that showed last night I thought uh, you're absolutely right that um that moment where they showed the uh Roy laying into the player I mean, I mean one kind of an invasion of privacy they probably shouldn't have shown that mm. because had they been in the changing room as normal they wouldn't and it's only because of covid they're not allowed to be in there but actually jesse i really quite enjoyed that because i think a lot of people a lot of fans who are anti-roy assume that he's not that fast and sort of maybe has checked out a little bit but he was really laying into them and was clearly quite angry and had taken the performance which as kevin said wasn't the worst in the world but it was quite flat and was not happy with it at all. So actually, seeing our manager lay into the players like that, I actually felt quite. I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I know, it, is, it was like one of those shots you see on sort of a, a mockumentary, isn't it? Uh, sort of an impossible shot that shouldn't never be visible through a glass meeting room in Molyneux. <laughs> it just didn't, and they're all still wearing their shirts. So you, it looked like he hadn't given them a second to rest. He laid into mm. them. Um, but yeah, you're right. The only time we ever seen Roy. Put under the collar is that infamous meme of him saying uh, on match of the day, wasn't it? Yeah. Take a piss on you. Should we yeah. do that again? 
I mean, we've all seen that's a, that's sort of so old. You've never seen anything like it. Um, I think it's getting to the point where it's always running out of excuses for seven losses on the bounce. Now it does start to make him look bad. It doesn't look like it's just the squad. It doesn't look like it's him being um, sort of suffering from injuries, even though we've you know lost people like Cahill. It's, it's starting to reflect on him and solely him now. There's such a, a, a long sequence of defeats. But I think it's a shame because um, when I saw the lineup, I was quite excited because it just looked like a 4 4 2. And great to see Schlupp back. He's someone we've missed since the restart. And then it, it shaped up for that first opening moment. If you look at it, I've rewatched it. That moment that Schlupp had where he latched on to Wilf's through ball, him driving through so direct. You had Schlupp um, taking that chance into the box. You had AU and Zaha running into the box. And you had Townsend running. It's like all four of them doing exactly what they've probably been practicing all week. It looked like it was off the training ground, trying to get those four players, all of them in the box when he shot. So it started how I would hope it would when I saw the team sheet. It's, well, yeah, we can, we're going to take the game to them. But then as the game went on, Wolf, Wolves just went through the gears and just... Just took it up and a notch at every opportunity, and uh, then we were, then we were just left wanting. So it was it was a little bit dire uh, as as an overall performance from us. But I'm sure we'll go into uh, a few more details as, as as you wish, JD. Well, we will certainly go into Roy uh, in part two. James, yeah, uh, I was also like Jesse, excited about the lineup when it came out, particularly sure. the inclusion of. Tyrick Mitchell a left back and I think a, a lot of people were hoping that Roy would give him a chance after that cameo yeah. against Man United when he, yeah. he did quite well a lot of people thought he might not he might go with Gyro or bring Schluppy back in there but especially against someone like Adama Traore you know who we yeah. know is, 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 is on superb form and is, is difficult to play against so it was good to see Tyrick play I think putting Schluppy in front of him was again the right decision as well someone that knows his defensive responsibilities yeah. got all that experience um, as well yeah absolutely and although, yes, you know, Tyreek probably a bit slack for the first goal, sort of got caught ball watching and sort of lost his man. And then second goal, got beaten one-on-one by Troy, although Maka had come to support him and didn't, didn't do a great job of that. I actually thought overall, Mitchell looked very assured and composed, didn't look out of depth, no, looked fairly all. confident. And, you know, with these young players... So I did see there was a bit of criticism of him online. You have to allow for the fact that they need experience and to develop. They're not all going to be Wambasaka and come in and just be amazing. But he looked, you know, for a first appearance, I think there was promise there. No, absolutely. I think, but it's always a problem with um, fans, isn't it? You know, they, we, they, we, we clamber to get somebody on the pitch, somebody new and, you know, somebody young, and then when we do, they make a couple of mistakes, we all go angry at them. So, I mean, it was, a, it, was, it was a competent performance. He's a kid. You know, it was his first full game, I believe, wasn't it? It was his first yeah. full game. Um, I thought, you know, he, he equipped himself well. He's in a team that's low on confidence, in a, in a really weird part of the season, whatever this is at the moment. It's quite a tricky time for him to come in. You know, it, it, it's not the full debut he would have wanted in front of like 30,000, 40,000 people at Molyneux or 25,000 people at Sellers Park. And, but he did what he had to do. And the good thing is he got 90 minutes under his belt. Do you know what I mean? And I'll, I'll, I won't be surprised to see him um, playing on Sunday as well against Spurs. Well, I'd say all those people that, that did criticise him, there weren't many, but there were people that criticised him. And as Enders 
said we predicted this last week. It's, yeah, everyone goes put the kids in, and as soon as the kids are in, they go, "Why'd you do that? We lost." Yeah, <laughs> but it, you know, if Patrick Van Arnold had started that game yesterday, we would have lost two 0 We didn't lose two 0 because of no, because sure. of him. The reason we conceded yeah. that first goal is for some reason Andros Townsend decided to play a ball across the 18-yard box, which had to go through three Wolves players before it got to a Palace player. And the back four, therefore, were out of position. Dan didn't cover himself. He wasn't covering Mitchell as he should have been. So I don't think Mitchell was to blame for that one. The second one, like you say, Macca was covering and basically stood still. And then he got done by... And as you saw Dreyori go past him, he just realised the difference in size and pace between the two of them for a start off. Yeah. And Traore's, you know, Traore's, well, it drives me out of the wolf. Wolf should be doing what Traore does. Wolf's as good a player as Traore. Two years ago, people were going, Traore's he's a bit like, he's right, it's like Yannick Balassi without the intelligence. And because of decent coaching and decent weightlifting and whatever, he's strong, fit, <laughs> fast. And he just did, he just did Mitchell for a bit of pace and a bit of inexperience there. But that, you know, he should never have been allowed to get that far with the ball anyway. So there were defensive failings across the whole team for that. It weren't just. Mitchell's fine. I think apart from that, he he did he was fine. I mean, he looks yeah. tight. He looks tiny against someone like Traore, but it's you know it's uh, it, he certainly wasn't the reason we lost that game. Again, you know, one of the reasons I, I wasn't. Too, I mean, we were at least trying to play some football as uh, as Jesse said, and we started off with positive intent and we tried to pass the ball forward. We just weren't very good at it. Yeah, we just, yeah that, we just weren't able to do it. We haven't got the players who can do it. That's that's that's, that's, the that's, exactly, that's exactly it, yeah. Kevin. It just goes back. You know, we 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 are trying to play football under Roy, and we have we we have played some good football this season under Roy. Some really good football, and you know, and I think the players are trying. But and you're right, we just don't have the players now for whatever reason. They're too old. It's a weird time of the year. I know other teams are going through it as well. But you know, but the bottom line is they're just not great players. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're obviously competent professional Premier League players, course, but they haven't got yeah, they haven't got the pace, the energy that the Wolves have. No, and and you know, said, yeah, Roy was obviously angry afterwards, and he was talking about we need strikers, we need goals. I don't know where they're going to come from. He said we've been unlucky with with centre backs. We've got three centre backs out. That's because our centre backs are all old. If, yeah. if your centre backs are in their thirties, the chances are you're not going to end up with four of them fit at the end of the season. So mm. it's, you know, as as Jesse said, Roy's. I still think he should be manager next season, and I still think he he will be, as long as he's manager next season with Mitrovic and Eze and Cantwell and Ferguson having been bought in for a hundred million quid, then I'll be fine. <laughs> if, he, if he's still manager next season with no one bought in, then I'll be I'll be furious. But but as Jesse says, Roy's very clever. He's very canny. For all that, he's a lovely bloke. It's never his fault. You know, it's always I haven't got the squad, I haven't got the strikers, I haven't got the centre backs. If I did, then we'd be much higher than we are. And also, let's not forget when we beat Bournemouth, we were genuinely talking about going on a European trip. Yeah. After this thing, and it's it's well, it's, it's just falling off. That may have been mis- that may have yeah, been but misguided. we were we were the form team. Match of the day, we're talking about us maybe making a bid for Europe, and and we looked useful against Bournemouth. Who Bournemouth will go down, but they've looked to right the last few games. So that was a really good performance. So it's. Yeah, there, there are enough. I know we're talking about this later in the athletic, but I think there are enough still on the positive side to say Roy should be given a chance to manage next season. But it's just so. At least he admitted it was frustrating to watch. I mean, the thing in the dressing room afterwards, I do. It does make me wonder whether that was a case of, oh, boss, there's a camera out there, and it's like, all oh, right, right, everybody, mm, look, everybody nah, looks sad. Think... <laughs> everybody looks sad. And I'm going to put my angry face on. It's, it's you know, it's it, it, it's too late. Even if we do get a reaction now, even if we do get something from Tottenham. It'll be like, well, so what? Great, mm. you know, we've got a ten. You yeah. know, they've announced they've announced this morning that there's going to be a ten week 
transfer window and I've got no doubt we'll do what we normally do nine and a half weeks in we'll be <laughs> going well it must be signing somebody surely yeah as an I you've got a brother bring him in do something this is, you know, <laughs> yeah uh, I mean the thing is Jesse for all you know for all the frustration of the recent weeks and, and performances and you know losing to Liverpool and then uh, the Chelsea and United games looking okay Wolves weren't that much better than us yesterday. Although, you know, Kevin's point about them spending more, more money than us is absolutely correct. And again, it does come down to recruitment and spending for us. Wolves weren't that much better. And again, the goals came from individual errors. And as Selzy says, you know, a goal is never really one person's error. It's normally two or three people. Or there's a build-up to it, as there was for both games. And we had a question on that, actually, from Jacqueline Ann Hard. Hi, Jacqueline. Says, Hi, Jacqueline. What, what is up with conceding always in the last five minutes of the half? And mm. it's an interesting mm. question because I don't know, mm. is, it, is it purely down to fitness in this run of games and, not, and having an ageing squad, as Kevin says, and not dealing with this sort of tournament football? Is it that players take their eye off the ball in the last five minutes and start making sloppy errors that lead to goals? Is it organisational? It's, it's a hard thing to put your finger on because actually, if you take away those individual errors, take away the Burnley one, that's nil-nil, take away the Leicester one, probably a nil-nil as well, take it away yesterday might have even got something or maybe schluppy scores the Villa game could have got something if Sacco goes in it's, then we're doing different podcasts aren't we so yeah but if if, if, if my auntie had bollocks she'd be my uncle so it's like it's, it's, <laughs> and that'd be again a very different podcast it, it could be you just, you just went yeah it's, it's like when Matt does those modelling things it's like yeah if we'd beaten Wolves we'd be, we'd be laughing but we didn't we, yeah. were out, we were outplayed by a team that aren't that much better than us sorry Jesse alright so let's take the, the Selzy quip about one goal not being one person's fault so that does very much apply to that first goal because Townsend and Schlupp both we know they both kind of well Schlupp's first game back he's not quite all there so he's nowhere going to control that bad pass but Townsend still he does need like 10 games to really get firing we know that he's he's, he's not someone who can just come in the team and um, hit, hit, the, hit the road hit the ground running um, so that was that was a mistake, obviously in front of our own box, as Kev said. But then you can't expect Mitchell to also be that wily in his first start to to deal with that. He got okay, he got done a little bit. But I think at the end of all that sequence, what was what stood out for me was Kiate, right? Because he has been put on. I think if if Sacco got injured a bit later in the game, he would have put Kelly on. I think with so, yeah. so much of the game left to play, yeah. he clearly went for Kiate because there was so much game left to play. But he, if you watch the replay, he doesn't know Podence is there. He's completely yeah. let him go. And you can see when, the, when he's got a free header, you can see Wardy, who really gets angry, and sort of hit his, clap his own hands in frustration, and Dan's looked across and looked down. They know that's where it's gone wrong. So, yeah, it does apply. It was, just, mm. it was a shame because we'd had a pretty good first half, but it was just... Yeah. Wolves just being pretty lethal, taking their chance there. Um, and then second goal, I think it's, it's going to be a hard baptism for Mitchell with Traore. Of course, he's like the in-form winger that every team would like to have in their team this year. But I, I still don't think PVA would have done any better. He, you know, he would have been mm. duped by Traore in the same way. I wouldn't expect him to have dealt with it any differently. Um, but then I think we've said this before in the pod about Wardy. He's when he when he does make mistakes or when he does make, is made to look inferior, it does seem to lead to a goal. And for the second game in a row, he's been sat, he's been twisted and turned in the box like Rashford did. Mm. And poor yeah. Wardy does seem to sort of make uh, 
like when he's when he's got the better of it does lead to a goal. It's um, so yeah, it's just doubly frustrating to see that happen. But then in the first half, I think didn't Mitchell put a great cross into um, AU? And um, yeah, it, hey, Sunny. <laughs> no, Sunny's here. Say hi to everyone. Hey, Sunny. Show them all your lockdown hey, hair. Hi, hair. Hi, nice hair. Nice hair, Sunny. Looking good. good so um, yeah, I think it was just doubly frustrating to watch. And um, but you know, we did. We were so blunt in attack. He just knew once we'd gone one or two down, there was no coming back. Daddy. Yeah, the, 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 I want to hear, hear what Sunny's question is. What do you want to say, Sunny? They want to know what you want to say. No, Daddy. They want to know, do you like Crystal Palace? Daddy, I want to tell you so. All right, you carry on, guys. I'll be back in a sec. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's, it, Jesse's right about Wardy, but Wardy had done the right thing. He'd come across to cover because he'd seen where the danger is. It's just that he couldn't cope with that little bit of quality. You know, and it, it was very similar to the Rashford goal. But I think that's a really good question about the just conceding in the last five minutes. Because there was a season when... I think it's part of you when we, we we considered a lot of goals in the last five minutes of the game and that was always down to fitness and concentration but the Man United one possibly because the penalty had just been turned down and then we went up the other yeah. end but yeah. you would expect with the experienced defenders we've got that that shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. really so that's a, that's a that's an interesting one to keep an eye on it's a good I mean that's a good observation well actually look let's end actually on a question about Sort of related to that, so that's about fitness actually, um, Enders, and it's come from one of oh, our regular listeners. You're asking me about fitness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, JD. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Um, uh, from Magic Cheese 72. Hey, okay, Magic. Nice one. Hi, Magic. And he says, uh, Hello, FYP gang. Hope all is well and staying safe. That's nice. Isn't yeah, nice, yeah. Well, nice, enough yeah, questions yeah, nice, say yeah. that. That's, that's lovely. Yeah. Should we um, just stop there? <laughs> uh, do you think we have a coaching issue with fitness regimes as we are constantly getting injuries or do you think the demand of games contributes to these twangs during games aging squad obviously doesn't help bearing in mind it's the same for everyone and he's put you will probably say it's a combination of all the above and i think enders that probably links to jacqueline's question as well about the five minute thing it probably is a combination of all these of all these yeah, issues it probably is, yeah is that something if it is and that's something the club needs to be addressing well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, you know, look, the thing is, we talk about this ageing squad and about the, the lack of fitness maybe because they're an ageing squad. These ageing people are still in their early 30s. Mm. It's not that old Agreed. to be fit. It's not that old to be fit. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I know that they may not be as fit and agile as somebody's 21, 22 on the opposition. If, you, if you're a defender and you're 34, you've got some 22-year-old whisked running past you. I can understand it. But in, in general fitness, in terms of getting injured, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, an excuse. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a training regime. I'd like, to, I'd like to think it is. When you're a Premier League football club, I would have thought you'd be employing people who know how to train professional footballers to a decent standard. Um, it's, it's a concern. And the only thing that I really can put it down to, contradiction myself, is, is the um, age of them, really. Which seems bonkers to me. We we tend to struggle, I think, against teams that move the ball quickly when they want to, like like Wolves do. Chelsea and Man United don't necessarily do that. I mean, I mean Man United last year were a team that played on the break, but now they're a team that, that sort of tries to retain possession. Chelsea do that. And when we can get in and around teams that aren't passing at pace, then we don't look too bad. But it's when we get stretched that there seems to be a fitness issue. But I don't care how old a professional footballer is. 40 minutes into a game... 
they should they, yeah, they exactly. it shouldn't be tiredness or lack of fitness then because they should be they should be fully match fit by now they're, they're eight games into this to this lockdown they're in the same position as everybody mm-hmm. else people talk about Cahill prides himself on his on his fitness it's not as Ender says it's not when we first started watching football by the time a player was 33 he was running a pub somewhere he was it's not like it's, it's <laughs> not like that yeah. anymore they're, you know sports no. science is, is an advanced thing these are still Young fit men, so that's you could you could argue maybe when his games you know he, it goes into eight minutes of injury time because of it you know VAR or whatever. But I don't think that stands. It's just a lack of concentration, or it's it's the fact that other teams are better than us. And I think sometimes you just have to go. Do you know what? Some of these games they're better than us, and then you you analyse the reasons why they're better than us, and and it comes down in the end to the fact that they've bought better players. Simple as that. Over the course of two. Three years. Now, I, you know, I don't think this is something that we can rectify over the summer, even by even mm. by spending a hundred million quid, which we're not going to do. I'll be, yeah, we'll bring in two or three players, and it won't make a difference because essentially we'll still have an aging squad, and we'll still play the same way, and we'll probably still get enough points against teams like Burnley and Watford to to finish fourteenth next season, and then we'll have the conversation again, and then we'll have it again the season after that. It's it's a long term it, it's, oh! it's it's a, a long term plan that we don't <laughs> that we don't seem to have. I mean, the Americans lost interest clearly. There doesn't seem to be any money coming from from that direction, but you still get a lot of money for for finishing 14th from the Premier League. We've still got the the one Bissaka money. We have to buy players. This, that's that's it. We have to identify better players than we got and bring them in. Simple as that. Should we just uh, send out all the pods from this season, next season, and just yeah, change the title? Because I think yeah. they'd probably they probably fit, wouldn't they? Um, no, it's all good points, and I think your point about it won't be fixed overnight is absolutely valid. If though we sign five players in this window and they help us make marginal gains throughout the season and we suddenly have one or two more options and then we get to the end of next season we buy five more that to me is a progressive plan to actually fix the problems that they're doing at the moment and we all know that marginal gains mean a lot in football um it's you're absolutely right it's not going to be fixed overnight we're not going to sign 12 players and we're not suddenly going to be top 10 but if they address these issues and actually make it look like they're thinking about the future and thinking about what we need to me that's enough for the for the near future we there, there's a, there are other reasons why we need to play better football and it's not just because we want to watch better football we want to be more successful the, the broadcasting deal for example every club gets a fixed amount out of the broadcasting deal and every club gets a fixed amount of games after that the broadcasters decide which teams they want to show. And every time you get shown above the, the normal part of the broadcast, you get extra money. They're not going to... Why are they going to send cameras to Sellers Park? They're not... Yeah. Unless, unless we're playing Man United or Liverpool in an important game, there's, there's no way on earth they're going to choose Palace for, for these games. So you're losing out on potentially 20 million quid there, extra. So you, you, you need to invest the money to get money in. It's not just a question of, of getting you know, a better on the pitch... You get more attention, you get more sponsorship, you get more broadcasting money if you've got better players and you're playing better football. Simple as that. Agreed. And do you know what this broadcaster's going to choose to do now? I'm going to choose to take a break. (laughs) And we're going to come back and have an article from The Athletic. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. 
Select Quote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. Hey. Have you just had your haircut again? I'm just <laughs> in the break. So you just, yeah. just putting it out in the break. Yeah. I just, I've got Luke in the cupboard, just sort of <laughs> nipping. That sounds weird. Um, right, it's pod three forty-five, and it's time for an article from the Athletic, a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Subscription-based website and app, ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. One of which we're going to read now, but. If you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FIP, you can get a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Uh, this week's article, Kevin, is uh, about Roy Hodgson. Let's talk about Roy's future, because we haven't done that much recently. Um, it's an excellent article, of course, by the one and only Dom Fifield, uh, and it's called Getting Rid of Roy Hodgson is Too Risky for Crystal Palace. Now, I'm going to preface this um, paragraph that I'm going to read just by saying that, obviously... Seven defeats on the bounce. As you'd imagine, there's growing, almost campaign for Roy to leave this summer. A lot of fans think that seven wins, seven defeats, sorry, is is unacceptable in any circumstance. And Dom addresses that in the article and addresses the issues with it and uh, why it would either be a good or a bad decision. And there's loads of good points, as you'd expect from someone like Dom. But this particular paragraph caught my eye and it says, a fairly... Uh, Sorry, a familiar criticism of Hodgson's tenure, aside from the reluctance to experiment and blood players he does not consider ready, has centred on a lack of of excitement. Some have even taken to pining for the apparent halcyon days of Sam Allardyce's brief tenure, (laughs) minds drifting to the eye-catching wins at Chelsea and Liverpool, or the riotous Monday night in mid-April 2017 when Arsenal were humiliated at Sellers, which, to be fair, was a great night. Some wistful reminiscing tends to pass over the 4-0 home drubbing by Sunderland Mm. in a tailspin ever since, of course. And indeed, the four scoreless defeats in his last five games in charge, including an anemic showing against the youngest Man United lineup in Premier League history Mm. on the final afternoon once safety had been assured. Allardyce had not been able to rouse a team whose top-flight status had been guaranteed. That sounds... Vaguely familiar. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on that, Kevin? In particular, this, <laughs> quite frankly, bizarre yearning for the days of Allardyce. Well, it's, it's that be careful what you wish for. And it always, it's, it, you'll always compare and contrast. You'll always say, yeah, we, we, we scored four goals at Swansea when Pardew was manager. Yeah, we did. And we conceded <laughs> five. Remember? It's just, any, any manager's going to get questioned after seven defeats which would probably be eight defeats of course they are but I think for all that there is anger out there and I think that was show when when Chloe said on the last pod out of the blue I think it's time for Roy to go she got a lot of support uh, for those views Um, I think there's enough respect even from the people who don't like Roy there's enough respect for him not to be really calling for his head but I suspect he will be manager at the start of next season because I think Parrish will look at where we were before lockdown happened um, 
he'll talk to Roy about what should happen. I, th- I think it's an interesting one as it comes back to what Jesse says about excuses. It's like Dom is very careful to show both sides of the story there and to talk about the fact that Roy has had one arm tied behind his back in terms of you know squad numbers, in terms of you know who knew that Tosin would get any injury yeah. three weeks after coming, except anybody who knew anything about football and Tosin's me, basically, you know, as we said last week, it's an insurance. But you know, we won't pay out if he gets a knee injury. So clearly, somebody at the club didn't. You know, that was an act of desperation. I think so. There, I, I think there are a number of factors, and the the part, the, the the weights on the scales are starting to balance themselves more easily, but I've, evenly. But I think there are still a number of factors that make me think Roy's a decent manager, and given a budget in the players but that's the big question and again like you said before the break we you know, we could we pick a pod pick any pod from the last three seasons and we'll be saying the same things about Roy because he hasn't really been given the, the money it comes back to what we said right at the start 206 million against 26 million but then you know Roy wanted McCarthy in and that's the sort of money you pay for a player like McCarthy you know I don't think Roy would want a player like Jimenez in and wouldn't want to pay 30 million quid for him so for me, it's an odd thing to say the jury's still out, but I would be surprised if he's not our manager at the start of next season, and I won't be disappointed if he is, as long as we've we've gone out and, and supported him, as long as Doogie Freeman's team have identified people to bring in. But again, we said how many times we said this every every time we, at the end of a season we say, surely this season we've got players <laughs> identified. Surely now we know who we're going to bring in. Surely, and then it comes to like we say the last week of the transfer season, we're rushing around Sainsbury's looking for a player that somebody else has forgotten and all left at the bottom of their basket. It's like uh, we're talking about getting Ezzy in from QPR, which would be fantastic. He'll go to West Ham. But every time you see it, you read a newspaper report there in the tabloids, it's like two teams are in for, for Eze, Palace and West Ham. Oh, great, you go to West Ham then. Because yeah. that's, that's how, that's how we, it's like players who go to Watford rather than, than Palace. It's like for some reason we're not attracting players and I don't think that's Roy Hodgson's fault, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And actually, Jesse, on, on sort of those transfers, and Selzy said this on the post-match pod last night as well, a question from Total Tech Soccer, who Hi, has Toby. said, do you think this bad run could be a blessing in disguise, forcing movement in the squad slash management? And Quentin Soldan, who's one of our Hi, long-time listeners, has said the same thing. It sends a clear message to the board and the owners that changes are needed. Do you think actually... Jesse, that this, well, as Kevin's right, it probably will be eight feet on the bounce, is actually going to be a bit of a blessing in disguise because it will surely force their hand to have a decent window. We've been here before, haven't we? I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on this pod. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we're going to be there again. I just, this is so perilous to try and risk, take any huge risks with this strange uh, window we've got ahead of us. I think, interestingly, what I saw was that there's going to be a domestic window only for two weeks. Did you see that? From the 5th yeah. to, no. to the 16th of October. But right. they, Premier League clubs can only buy it from football league clubs, not between other Premier League clubs. Hmm. So that basically right. means if we have a bad start to the season and there's still capability to buy players, we have to buy from the Championship. Who knows what is that that's going to do to us? Because they're going to surely that just means inflated prices. It's sort of like a massively. It's, yeah, absolutely. It just means the championship clubs hold all the cards for those teams that have lost their first three games or whatever it will be. So I don't. You just can't see how this is going to pan out. 
but if you do, if you do, if you if you do what other clubs do, Jesse, and identify your targets before that two week <laughs> period or before that, and you and you bring them in then, then you don't have to worry about that. But like you like you say, we undoubtedly will be scrambling around championship clubs trying to replace players that we couldn't get in. And also the owner, I it do, I don't think the owners, the Americans, give a toss. I, I don't see any money coming from that direction. They seem they probably look at the league table every year and go, oh, this this doesn't seem to be any relegation from the Premier League. We seem to just stay in it without us coughing up money. So I don't see why we should have to do that again. So I can't see money coming from from that direction. And then, yeah, Steve Parrish must know he's got to invest in players. But then, it's not his job. You know, it's 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 Roy Hodgson and Doogie Freeman and all the other scouts who are out there not bringing in players. Their job. So, yeah. well, it's interesting, Kevin. Um, actually, I got to end us for this one. Um, um, people are split. I mean, I'm 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 a Roy Hodgson fan, but I c- you can't ignore people are split. We've had a question yeah. from. David McL Hatton, who wasn't that a song? Okay, who said it was a song from the Full Monty? Who said, um, "Can how can you blame the manager? Can proper Palace fans reply? Not the fans since we went up. The board are to blame." But then Andy W, <laughs> Andy. who has said thirty-five years of Palace fans, so not a recent fan. The manager is responsible for performances on the pitch. He has one plan, and it isn't working. So people are divided, but. Andrew Duffin has raised a good point, which I think I sort of mentioned to you before we went on air, Enders, which is who could have done a better job than Roy this season? And if he was to go, who would step forward? And I would add to that, if they do change the manager, a new manager is going to come in. They're not going to say, oh, I've got 17 first-team players. Great, no problem. They're going to say, buy me seven more players. So you might as well buy those players for Roy, whatever you do, manager-wise, they're going to need new players. So surely, again, that suggests that actually it's not the managerial choice at the moment that's the issue. It is the squad. I think it's a very simplistic argument to say it's just the manager's fault or it's just the board's fault. It's, you know, football's deeper than that. There's so many different levels to it all. And I think you get something like Roy. Roy is a good manager. He's got 40 years' experience of being a manager. That doesn't make him a good manager, but he is a good manager. He's brought a lot of stability to this club. We've had some amazing performances under Roy. Um, we've had some of our best times under Roy recently, and it's been, it's been great. It's been terrible since we've come back. Of course it has. But then we talk constantly about this squad and the lack of the depth of the squad, the age of the squad. The squad, if, if Roy was given 150 million quid, and said, you go and spend that money on some players. Mm. I, 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 I would be happy with that. I'd be happy with that. Now, it may not be the attractive football that people are wanting, but he, he, he knows we haven't got the right squad. He's not stupid, for God's sake. Of course he's not stupid. He's a clever man. He's a clever, astute man. It, the, the problem lies somewhere, somewhere between the recruitment, the board not giving money for recruitment, maybe Roy's not forceful enough. Maybe Roy should be going in banging on Parrish's door and Dougie Friedman's door saying, come on, what the F is going on? Sort this out. I'm tired of, I'm tired of trying to defend this club. I'm trying to try, tired of using the age-old excuse of an aging squad, too many games, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. I just think, I think it's, it's, it's a factor of all of them. Yes, it's, it's all of them together, but there never seems to be any money available. And therefore, we don't seem that attractive. Now, yes, we can attract players because we're now we've got to enter our eighth season in the Premier League. And so, you know, the chances are, let's be honest, the chances are we might not go down again next season. We're becoming one of those teams that just fights for survival. And so maybe we'll attract players. But we're not going to attract the players to get us into the top ten. 
And that's what people want. So that's what we all want. It's a really weird situation because it's not terrible, you know, the last seven games aside. But, I mean, but even looking at those last seven games, it's not terrible, terrible. It just needs a few things changing. I don't, I don't it know what be it better. is. It could but, be better. Uh, yeah. But, and the, the trouble is as well, Ender's absolutely right, because somebody will, will ask us a question and say, you know, I've been a Palace fan for 35 years, it's it's the board. And you go, yeah, actually, it's the board. And the next question will be, I've been a Palace fan for 35 years, it's the manager, it's got to be the manager. You go, yeah, actually, yeah. it's the manager. <laughs> but Ender's is actually right. It's great. But, yeah, I'd be interested to see what, you know, Watford fans are talking about on their podcast today. Yeah. Because hmm. you know what do Pal- I mean, there are Palace fans tweeting that they that, great Pearson's available. Let's get him in for the last two games. It's like what? I know. What are you talking about? I mean, do we want to be the sort of guy? And I, I did say after the Villa game, I was I was so angry after the Villa game. I would happily have carried Roy's suitcase to the taxi myself and said, right, we'll get somebody in for the rest of the season. But that would have been the wrong thing too. Watford had done the wrong thing as well. I mean, God bless Aidan Mullins. But why would you why would you sack Nigel Pearson, apart from the rumours about a bust up in the dressing room? Why would you sack him when you've got Man City and Arsenal to play? I'm sure Hayden Mullins is delighted. It's like, what? I've got to do what? Against who? <laughs> but he's, Nigel Pearson's been a manager for ages. He was, Nigel Pearson, quite right, will take them to court to get his bonus for keeping them up because he's kept them up. But yeah, yeah do, do Palace fans want us to be the club that does that, that sacks three managers in one season? And we'll probably do it again next season, but it's, you know, their, their crisis management seems to sort of work. And our our maintaining the steady equilibrium also seems to work. It's just well, once you go down that sort of short term approach, it's very hard to get out of it, as we've seen with Watford. And and we've spoken on this podcast, and I've heard other fans say down the pub, we don't want to be a team. We we want a, a, a long term approach. We want some sort of proper succession plan. But the thing is, Jesse, if if this summer Palace do, as Kevin says, give Roy fifty million quid or whatever to spend on his players. And then next season, things aren't any better. Then you can say, OK, look, Roy, we've given you what you want and things haven't improved. That, then you're in a much sort of more solid position to say, OK, it's the manager that's at fault. But until that happens, really, it's a very difficult argument, I think, to get rid of the manager. Yeah, especially with, as, as we just touched on, the, the sort of crazy window that's coming up. I mean, finding we've got to find players, let alone a manager and all the backroom staff that go with it I just can't see any club taking that on unless they really have to um, mm. I, I'm, I'm amazed I was amazed after Roy came in mid-season that the following pre-season that he didn't get rid of Benteke I, I just thought Roy, Roy's an experienced manager as experienced as managers get and you would have thought someone that long in the tooth would have no time for suffering fools or excuses Mm. or anything that made your life more stressful than it needed to be. You know, as people get more experience, they know what they want. And they, they yeah. get demands down in black and white. And if they don't get it, they're usually they're off. People are out of dice, right? So I'm just amazed that he suffers for it. And, and it's just life's more difficult for him than it should be. And it, I'm just amazed that he went into a second season with Benteke. And I'd be just absolutely astounded if he goes into a new season with Benteke as his striker. I don't care if we don't get a fee for him. Just get rid of his wages so we can at least afford to bring someone else in. Because mm-hmm. A, he's run out of steam. I don't know if he's... Is yeah. he going to be able to repeat his heroics another time? Because if not, they have no goals in the team at all. So I, if Roy stays, I'd expect him to seriously beat the drum so that he can get what he needs, uh, especially in the attacking department. Because we're not too bad in other departments. We're really strong in defence. Would you... Uh, j- j- Jesse, would you give Roy say till Christmas? 
or like giving say fifteen games or ten games the second. I mean, I, I think it'd be stupid to get rid of him uh, before beginning of next season. But even us nice liberal fans here know that this can't carry on forever. I mean, would 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 you say give him till give him the first ten fifteen games and see where we are? And just see if, if it has changed. Well, I think you're onto something there. I think it might be easier to make a plan for Christmas than it is for the new season. When's that ever been yeah. the case? So, yeah, well, <laughs> it's sort of like they've kind of got not, we can't really blink between now and the new season. They've just got, if they're not already planning, then we're in deep trouble. So, they've, I think Christmas might be a time to judge where we're at and at least you're you can at least you know what your transfer window is then you know what the rules, I, I, what the rules always, are. I, always we always have that thing at the beginning of a new season don't judge your team until you're at least 10 games in yeah, yeah. And, and and i think that's how i don't think we should judge our team on the last seven or eight games it's very easy to do it and i know there's probably people listening to this now just shouting out us going what the heck are you talking about we've been awful we've got no points we've hardly scored X, Y, Z. But it's, it is a weird time. And I think that the board, the chairman, the managers, the crew, everybody needs to get together in this very short pre-season and just try and sort something out and you know, see if we can make a change. The will is there. The will is there. The experience is there. There's just something missing. Now, whether that's actual cash... I don't know. I mean, I personally think just I think just well, give it the, a the other the other factor is uh, the other factor is sorry to is that is that Steve Parrish might be reluctant to give Roy fifty million quid in case Roy says thank you very much I'm going to go out and buy five Czech Chiatis. Yeah, well, fair enough. Because yeah. you know, because uh, you know, what little experience we have of Roy in the transfer market is you know he bought in. Uh, IU for two million. He, he bought in James McCarthy. We know that James McCarthy was his. He wanted James McCarthy. He agitated to get James McCarthy. That they're the sort of players he wants. Roy. Uh, it strikes me that if you give Roy the money, he's not going to take the risk on a, uh, a even an Ollie Watkins at, Bre- at Brentford mm. who's scoring goals in the Championship. Yeah. He's going to want players 27, 28 that have been around the block in the Premier League because he thinks they'll keep us in the in the Premier League. So that might be another another issue yeah. when it comes to and, money. And so, if if players are bought bought for him, maybe Matt. You the, the Max Myers of this world that he doesn't yeah. like, he won't play them anyway. Absolutely, or we'll camera even loan Camarasa. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Never got near the first. Time. We haven't even talked about the sideshow that we're going to get with Wilf again. I mean, that's yeah, it's yeah. Quite, obviously it's died a death because his performances have not been great this season. He's not really stood <laughs> out, but um, there will be a clamour and there'll be a load of rumours basically put out there by people with vested interests. Anyway, so there will be an inevitable sideshow with Wilf. There might be the odd team willing to make a punt on him because they might be desperate to get signings in in this unre- irregular window that's coming up. So that's just going to complicate things even more because it's not been talked about. But you know it's happening. You know it's coming. Hmm. Well, but, you know. But what, again, we, Jesse, if 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 it's if it's going to happen, uh, yeah. And I was I was over the moon when we. I mean, that was the big issue with the last two transfer windows when we keep Wolf, and I was over the moon when we did. I hope we do now. If we don't. I don't particularly mind, but let's get it done early. If if Wilf wants to wants to yeah. a move, if his agent wants a move, one big last payday, no one will begrudge that. Get that done early. Let's not have that hanging over us until yeah, the last two days of the season. Yeah. If if Wilf goes to Steve Parrish and says, "Look, please let me go to Everton," fine, let him go, but let him go in time enough so that we can spend. It probably only be thirty million, but let him go so we've got time to spend that money. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens to that because the season. Uh, ends next week, so the transfer window will be on us before 
we know it. And we'll also see what our listeners have got question-wise after this break. Not before I remind you that if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Right, let's take a break. After that, questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. <laughs> Welcome back to the Five Pan Podcast. Yay! Yay! Pod three, four, five. <laughs> Uh, yet again, I've overrun massively in parts one or two, so we're going to cram in as many questions as possible here, but it probably won't be many. But we're going to start off with one from Rory Anderson. Hey, Rory. Hi, Rory. And Rory simply says, when will it end? <laughs> Sunday. Rory, Sunday. Sunday. it's quite literally the end of the season. So <laughs> Sunday is when it will end. Um, next question is from Sam at Fevo. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. He says, is there any situation in life that can't be fixed by bringing on a defensive midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think Roy would say no, there probably isn't yeah. any situation yeah. uh, that can't be fixed by doing that. Um, very good, Sam. We're not going to actually give that any time to answer it because I'm sure that was said in jest. Um, let's move on. This is an interesting question. We sort of touched upon this in part two. It's from Richard Bushell. Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. And he says, what I'd like to know is how do you reconcile a succession plan, Dom suggested Roy's one-year contract extension was partly for this, with a mm. recruitment drive? How do you entice players to sign if Roy is unlikely to play them? And given his successor may have their own ideas, do we have a style and philosophy now we're working towards? <laughs> this is actually, I mean, it's quite an obvious question, this, yeah. Kevin, and it's sort of almost sort of hanging over the club, isn't it? This succession plan we can't keep giving Roy one year contracts and we have to obviously sort out what our identity is it's well it's it's actually it's actually a very good question because you know you'd look at a coach like Hayden Mullins who's got a really good reputation and you'd think well it would be nice if Hayden was at, as at Palace helping to stamp an identity of a style of football that so he could take over when Roy Hodgson and, and everyone knows that he's taken over from Roy Hodgson the theory was a while ago that Stephen Reid would be that player but it, it it's a it's a it's a generally good question. If you talk to any professional footballer at any level, the thing they crave most is stability. When they join a club, they want to know that their manager is likely to be their manager. Because if that manager brings them in, and they know that manager's got a three-year contract, and that the club will probably be at worst mid-table Premier League, they'll be a happy professional footballer. If you've got, you know, who's going to go to Watford if they think the, the manager's going to change every yeah. three years, every you know, three times a season as it has been doing? 
So I, I think that's a, that's a really good question because yeah, the, Roy's age it, it, it sort of negates the idea that he's going to be there for five years, unfortunately. So a player will be going. Well, okay, well who's who's next? Who, you know, are they going to change? Are they going to bring me in as a defensive midfield player and then bring a manager in like Pardew, who's, who who doesn't want defensive midfield players? So I, th- I think that's a very good question, and it's I'm not sure if it's one that the club has identified even, let alone uh, us. I mean, sometimes we get questions that would be best off being asked to Steve Parrish, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But you know, we tr- we do our best, but. We don't always know, but it's, I think that's a good question, and it's, you just keep your fingers crossed and hope that we have thought of that. Well, and, and the thing is, Enders, yeah. when you're talking about a succession plan, you obviously have to think about who might come in next, player-wise and manager-wise. And TM Garrett TM. has said, who would be a realistic manager to replace Roy? And I think this is a really key question, because I actually can't really think of anyone right now that fits that bill where I think... That guy's perfect. No. I mean, you've had people mention Sean Dyche and Nigel Pearson, as we said earlier. But none of these guys make me think, oh, he's the ideal person to replace Roy, which, again, makes me think, well, then he might as well stick with Roy because there's no obvious successor. I think uh, you talk about your Dyches and your Pearsons, and they're the type of managers I wouldn't expect them to be here for more than one or two seasons because it feels like a quick fix. And I think it's, you know, the, the thing that, as Kev talks about, it's all about stability for the players. And it is for the club, you know, it's about looking to the future. And I think this is where we're being slightly let down by the club, is that we don't really know of a plan for when Roy goes. And it's pretty obvious Roy's going to go. The, the, the guy's an old guy, he's not going to be around forever. We know that. And we're not stupid. And it's, it's just, it's frustrating as a fan, as somebody, and old fans who plough money into the club and our investment emotional energy and actual physical money that we're giving to the club that we don't that we don't know what the plan is and it just I don't, I don't want them to get in you know Daesh I think could do a good job you know I think he could do a good job for the club but you know he's, I can't see him doing being here like he's been at Burnley for like you know seven or eight years I just can't yeah. see it and I just yeah. think it'd be good to find somebody somebody who's going to be you know we we love our academy, we love the fact we bring these players through, we like them to stay with them. Well, let's try and do this with a manager. Let's try and get somebody in there who we think, right, this guy's going to be here for six, five, six, seven years. And I don't know. I, I, the, n- nobody springs to mind. Nobody obvious, anyway. It's, it's hard to imagine that the, the same people who want Roy out would then be delighted if we got Sean Dyche in or Nigel Pearson and their remit is, well, these guys will keep you in the Premier League, probably, yeah. which is exactly Roy Hodgson's yeah. remit. I mean... I, exactly. For me, exactly. something I, I would I would go if Fulham don't get promoted, I'd say to someone like Scott Parker that you've worked with Roy Hodgson before, you respect him. How about dropping down to coach in the Premier League, bring him in, let Roy guide him, mentor him, teach him how to manage in the Premier League, teach him how, you know because he's turned Fulham into a useful side. But again, that comes with risks. Frank De Boer, which I thought was a brilliant idea, turned out to be a shocking idea. You just you just don't know, which in, which is why I think that. Parish will stick with the manager. It's yeah. not going to cost him money to replace. Well, yeah, why would you bring Sean Dyche in to do the same job as Roy Hodgson, essentially? And in terms of attracting people through the turnstiles, I don't particularly want. I, would hate, I wouldn't want to watch Burnley every week. Yeah. I admire the fact that they're resilient and they can beat teams and they'll probably get into Europe. But geez, I, I, I don't want to pay. I don't want a season ticket to watch that. To be perfectly honest, the same with Nigel Pearson. Great, he gets his teams organised. Yeah, we've got a manager who does that. Mm-hmm. So why would you why do you risk paying off Roy, paying off all his backroom staff, spending fifty million quid to get a manager in when you could be spending that fifty million quid on players? Which I, I, I you know, I, I think this argument in a way is a, is a pointless one because I don't think Roy 
is going anywhere, to be honest. So, no, I completely agree with all you said. And Jesse, I'm just wondering, aside from the obvious Norwich-based managers, where, um, <laughs> is there anyone for you that's... That, is there anyone that... that... It's, it's going to be it's going to be someone with Premier League experience, yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. because fingers burnt with FDB and total... Uh, success stories when it comes to Pulis, Pardew kept to start, whatever you want to say, he cuts the final, uh, Allardyce uh, and Roy. So it's, it's only going to be more of, I think anyone who's got experience and what to the blood of a few, mm. they will be, uh, will, will likely be in contention. But I liked your earlier question about um, how do you attract players knowing they've only got the manager for one mm. season? Um, well, if it's a striker, they can only score more goals than, than today. <laughs> Um, if it's if it's a midfielder, they'll be the first player off the bench. Uh, if it's if, it, if it's a if it's a defender, you got a good chance for game because they're all injury prone. And if it's a keeper, you're you're better than Hennessy, so you're instantly number two. So that's how you do it. <laughs> you should you should be the manager, Jesse. You should, no, you should be doing marketing. You should be doing marketing, <laughs> marketing for the uh, for the uh, transfer people. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to another question because uh, yeah, this one's from Mark Goggins. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. And uh, Mark set out the last few seasons and tried to sort of uh, give us some perspective. He's put seventeen, eighteen. Start the season with seven straight losses without scoring a goal. Finish above Brighton. Eighteen, nineteen. <laughs> give six points to the weed. Finish above Brighton. Nineteen twenty. Lose seven or eight on the bounce. Finish above Brighton. Does anything else matter as fair long point. as Palace finish above Brighton? <laughs> yeah, fair point. Well, as long as Brighton are not in the bottom three, then no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, very good question mark. On a question, similar question mark. <laughs> very good. Yeah, On sure. a similar vein, Pete Trainer. Hi, Pete. Has Happy. put uh, 78, 17, 18, so he's done a similar format here, 44 points. 18, 19, 49 points. 19, 20, 42 points. As a club, are we what we are under the current management owners and players? Is it time that fans accept we're just a club doing what we can with our meagre resources and just enjoy being a Premier League club? We expect too much. Fair point. It's a fair point, but um, mm. I think maybe some fans do expect too much. I think we sometimes do. I certainly do sometimes. But I think you do expect more than losing seven or eight games on the trot. Yeah. And that's as simple as that. And I think it's not just that. I think some of the performances have been so dire, so bad. And some individual performances have been bad. I think... Um, and I, I, I think we should expect a little bit more than this, yeah. I think what's the, the overwhelming thing that's missing in our sort of Premier League tenure this time is just a real sense of progress. We just don't feel like we're yeah. seeing or making any progress. So, People get bored in their jobs when they don't feel like they're progressing. Like it's, it's just a natural yeah. kind of trait that that comes with a long period of time. So, and the, and the, the sort of it's, it, it's exacerbated by the fact we're not seeing the stadium get rebuilt. You look at the way the um, teams like Arsenal have had to put up with not not splashing the cash in the Wenger years because they always had this excuse that they were kind of paying off the stadium for a bit. Um, and that's why Spurs didn't buy anyone last year, and so on. Like it's, that's sort of a good excuse that the that clubs pedal, and fans can put up with that when you've got that new stadium to enjoy because it's a sense of progress. But when we're not seeing progress on or off the pitch, massively, I mean, we're not really. I mean, the best thing is we're managing to stay in the league for a long time, but that's even that uh, kind of achievement is starting to wear thin now. Peddling that one. Well, out. I, I, I think the argument, Jesse, would be that we are now a 
a uh, our academy's looking a lot better, yeah. and, and that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that's been a very positive thing. The academy, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. The stop, we, but you know, is it the point that we are a mid-table club? And maybe once in a while we'll do a Wolves or we'll do a Sheffield United, and, and we'll get into Europe. You know, you know. But are we just because of the the amount, because of where we are, the size of the club? Maybe that's just what it is. But mm. there has to be progress in some way. There, there must be progress, and and I think the progress that I think where it's missing, it's missing on the pitch. And I think it's because again, it's because of this aging squad. We don't have a young, a young Will Sahar coming through, or we don't have a young. You know, whoever coming through, and and that's what we need. That's what we look forward to. We want we want that mixture, experience like your Kales and your Zahars with some young kids in there, and that's that. They're not coming through the academy at the moment, so it's got to be a recruitment thing. And I just think it needs it needs a bit of spicing up. It needs it needs a bit of competition in there. It feels very little competition within the squad as well because it's so threadbare. There is no competition yeah. in the squad. And therefore, and also, you know, again, I keep mentioning it, and we all have done. It's a weird time. Mm. It's it's a weird time for everyone, but you know, it's all it's all obviously going to be weirder for Palace because that's Palace. <laughs> it is. You talk, you talk about progress, and it's absolutely fair, and it's something we've talked about a lot. But right now, we're going to make progress on this podcast by taking our final break, nice. and then coming back good. to review. The last game of the season. Thank you very much. At Vast National Bank, we value our billions of customers. Whether you're in Dubai or Tokyo or just London, we care. So bank big with us. Sure, your local community bank may seem friendly and helpful. Their small business loans may even help your town grow and prosper or whatever. But would they help you liquidate an offshore account to bedazzle your private jet? (laughs) No. Bank with a community bank and help your community grow. Find yours at banklocally.org. Welcome back to the five-year plan podcast. And you know what, JD? We need a five-year plan right now, actually, don't we? We do. Never was the day more apt than right now. If the club want to get in contact and ask me about five-year plans, uh, (laughs) I can't offer any advice. Um, Spurs at home, Kevin. Final game of the season. It's actually here after what's felt like years and years. Yeah, um, two, 2 nil Spurs, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 2 nil. Yeah, probably 2 nil. Um, what are you expecting from Sunday? Because obviously, you know, it's a difficult opponent. Um, we've been on a bad run. What for you, aside from a positive result, what positive-wise would you be like to take in out of Sunday? <sighs> three, well, three points would be... You know, it's, it's, I don't want to be doing the pod on Monday or Tuesday. So, well, at least there was a reaction. We played a, li- a little bit better. We've, we, you know, like we said against Chelsea and against Man U, we still lost those games. I'd like us to score. That'd be nice. Yeah. I, th- I mean, you know, Tottenham are not getting in the Champions League, so their season. I mean, Tottenham fans are more angry than we are. Tottenham mm. fans are absolutely incandescent. They really don't like Mourinho. I can't see Mourinho. Uh, you know, picking youngsters like it's not going to be a f- an end of season friendly. If you know what I mean, I just, I just think it's not going to be on telly. It won't be one of the games that's chosen to be on telly for any particular reason. I think most of us will be hoping that there's still a chance that Watford 
could go down, basically. So we'll be looking at results at other, uh, other from other teams rather than, <laughs> you know, it'll be, it'll be a hot day and it'll be a really dull game. And then Roy will have the usual excuses afterwards. Mourinho will say all the things he says about Palace. Normally they're a good team, hard team. The atmosphere is great, you know, even though there's nobody in there, etc. So I'm, I'm like most of us, I just basically I want to get it, I just want to get it out of the way. Yeah. And I never thought I'd say that about football. I just want to get it out of the way and kind of get reoriented again so that football's back in the autumn when it should be back. I don't want to be switching from cricket. Like one stage yesterday, the Brighton game, I was switching from cricket to Premier League football. That's not right. It's, it's mm. just messes with your head. Yeah, that's so not right. I want I want the season to finish, and then next week I want us to sign four players, and then we'll all be laughing, and then we can wait for the next season. But none um, of that's going to happen. The season will finish out better. <laughs> someone that well, the way the season's gone, who knows? Um, someone that agrees with Kevin is Ben Ag by Moni. Um, who okay. said? Who is looking forward to the end last game of the season? I'm not. I just want the season to end. I mean, yep. enders. I think. We all want the season to end. Yeah. We're all actually, after the madness of this season, and I don't say this many seasons because uh, we all love Palace and we love football, I think we all need just a little bit of a break <laughs> from football, don't we? Even if it's only yeah. a few weeks. I've, I really have been having a really crisis of confidence with football the last couple of weeks, especially after that Manchester United game. I, I wasn't on the pod last week, but some of the decisions in that game, and I just thought, I can't deal with this anymore. And yeah, I, you I mean, know, I was just, I was just, I can't deal with this. What, what is the point in sport your football club when, when you've got things like VAR against you and just people diving? I just, I was tired of it. I was tired of it. And, but of course, you sleep on it and you have a few days off. I think, I think having that break from football for those two or three months that we had, and we're all desperate for it to come back, it's been so concentrated and so weird that it doesn't really feel like it's been back. Yeah. In, a, in a weird way, I know it has, but it just doesn't. To me, it hasn't felt like the end of the season. It's felt like some weird mini tournament in the summer that we're all at. It's not just like Inter Milan, Bournemouth, you know, <laughs> some Turkish team and and you know, and Palace playing in Azerbaijan for three days for some cup that nobody's heard of. This is like a big. This is like the end of the Premier League, but it just felt like a non-thing. I just really want the season to end. You know, I want us to score, I want us to get three points, I want the season to end, and then I want to come back next season, as Kev says, with a, a renewed sense of uh, excitement, energy and optimism. We just we just need a break from the pod as well. I've seen so much of JD's office, it's like a hostage situation. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's rough. I, I go to sleep at night. I can memorise every bit of JD's office. I can I can just picture it when I close my eyes. It's not the best office either. I'm no. you, haven't got, you haven't got a lovely swan like Jesse's no, got on the back of his shoulders. Have. A lovely swan. That's a Maybe lovely by swan next season I will um, invest in. Have you noticed a that the swan's swan. feathers are the same colour as Jesse's hair as well? That's yeah, a really good touch. Very nice touch. And almost quite stylish as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, Jesse, give us a quick prediction then for Sunday. What are you expecting to happen? I think the swan might be uh, might not be there anymore <laughs> by Sunday. Uh, I, I, I thought <laughs> such a great swan, man. <laughs> well, we'll give it away on the FYP Twitter. Yes. <laughs> so, um, wouldn't it be great if these if the players still did a did a victory lap around the end of the stadium? <laughs> <laughs> That would be my my hope for Sunday. Uh, and, and with, with, Roy, with, with, with 
Roy's still on the Roy's still having a chat on the microphone to them. You'll just yeah. be out, you'll be out here you'll be out here Neil the fish outside booing. There'll be one lone bloke booing. There'll be, there'll be Neil from the Portons on the phone. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, that's um, very funny. I think as well with um, if if Watford get tonked tonight by City yeah. and their goal difference goes down, it is going to be an amazing. That was going to be the what we'd be looking at on Sunday is if they lose again to Arsenal and Bournemouth manage to win or Villa then yeah it could get interesting yeah. but yeah I, I mean, we should just hope hope to go out on a not a damp scrub of performance just a good performance but we don't lose I think would be the most we can hope for and I would happily welcome that in any shape or form <laughs> yeah. Agreed uh, and of course we'll be back next Monday or Tuesday with our post Spurs main pod last pod of the season maybe we'll do a sort of season review or something like that or maybe what? not seeing no. as everyone's sick of no. the season maybe we'll yeah. just no. make it a quick hello and goodbye of course patrons will get a post-match pod immediately after that first game on Sunday which is available at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast with me Selzy and Robert Sutherland uh, but in the meantime I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and tries to enjoy Sunday whatever it brings uh, and then we'll be with you again at the start of next week so lads Thanks for podding. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you for Brilliant hosting. Brilliant to chat to you. I'm sorry that my office isn't up to standards, but I will work on it over the break. Uh, and we'll be with you again next week. Enjoy your life. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. We are, for the most part, a reactionary society. If your neighbor has a break-in, you think about getting an alarm. If your buddy gets laid off, you say, I better buckle down at work. If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Sports Social Podcast Network.